Welcome to Faith Church Online. Thank you so much for checking us out. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. We're about to start a season, um, uh, a series, and it's going to be, I don't know, I think we've planned five weeks, it may well be six weeks, I don't know, on well-being. So um, uh, well-being within the NHS at the moment is the buzz thing. Um, it's uh, a really big thing that is uh, um, being talked about within healthcare and within society, but the Bible talks about well-being uh, right from the beginning to the end. So it's not a new topic for God. Um, it's not a new topic for Jesus, uh, and it's not you know. So the, so we are we're going to talk about it from uh, from its true perspective, from a biblical perspective. Amen. Um, so John Wesley. So those of you who don't know John Wesley, he was a famous evangelist. Um, quite a few years, a couple of hundred, 150 years ago. I don't. Know. Any uh, history buffs? Two hundred rich. Two hundred years. One hundred fifty. See, oh yeah. So. So John Wesley, who uh, was the founder of the Methodist, said basically um, that we need to look at being well people, not just because uh, being healthy and fit is a good thing, but because as if you have chosen to be a Christian, you have chosen to participate with God in the mission of Christ. And for us to be effective, we need to be well people. Amen. Um, I have a friend, uh, you'll meet him, he's called Shane Willard, he's coming to preach in July, phenomenal guy, and um, he, he's from America, and he said one of the biggest problems within the American church is obesity, so you can get these super spiritual people that are super, super Bible scholars, all that kind of stuff, but they're ineffective in their ministry because they're obese and they're not, does that make sense? I'm not criticizing if you're obese, but, you know, we need not to neglect our health and our well-being um, because it, it, we are to be carriers of the message of Christ and we need to be the best person we can to do that. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he has planned for us ago, long ago. You know, I am an instrument of God's grace and mercy. And God, now I've said this a few times, it amazes me that God has chosen humanity to uh, share his message. If I was God, I'd just wipe everybody out and start again. It'd just be so much easier. Um, but because we believe in a God of grace, a God who loves us unconditionally, he's chosen humanity to be his vehicle of love and grace. So we need to be the best people we can to do that. Amen. Well-being is about being the best version of who I am. We need to look at our outward self and our inward self. We need to look at our spiritual self and our biological self. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 14.30 says, The heart at peace gives life to the body, but an envy rots the bones. You know... We, we need to be uh, completely in tune and, in, uh, and the best people we can so that we can be the healthiest things we can. Uh, a lot of our spiritual things I think we face sometimes are to do with our physical health. And a lot of our physical health expects our spiritual health. Does that make sense? It's all tied up together. So I, this, is a, this is my theological perspective on what it is to be human. We're all mind. Each one of us here has a mind. We have ability to think and to reason and to debate and to know right and wrong. 
And that mind is caught up within this thing called a body. And if you're blessed like me to have a body like this, okay, <laughs> no. <laughs> but we're all caught up in this thing called bones and flesh and all that kind of stuff. But at the core of that, that makes us different to my lovely dog called Millie is that I have a soul and she doesn't. Is I have this thing and... That's my theological argument. <laughs> I'm sure there's some biblical backup for that as well. I love my dog. Okay, dogs may have souls, but hey, for the... Move on. I have a soul. You know... Uh, and I have a choice where I connect that soul. It's funny. It doesn't matter uh, what religion you come from, whether you're an atheist or not an atheist, whether you're a Buddhist or a Hindu, whether you're whatever, you have an understanding of right and wrong. That comes from your soul. Yeah, that, 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 that's, not, that's in you. That's, that's, that's your soul. That's your spiritual bit inside of you that God created us to have. And, and at the beginning, we were born into, we believe as Christians, that we were born into the Garden of Eden, a place that was perfect, and we walked naked. Interesting thought. With God, with, 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 with no, no apprehensions with our souls fully connected to God. But because we have a mind, we have the ability to choose free will, to choose where we connect to that. And as humanity, we chose to, to, to say, God, we want a choice on where we put our soul. So God, being a loving, gracious God, God says, you can connect your soul wherever you want. I love you so much, off you go. So humanity has this God-given designed soul that through the grace of God and because he loves us unconditionally, he says, you can connect that wherever you want. So you can connect that to Hinduism, you can connect that to Buddhism, you can connect that to gambling, you can connect that to sex, you can connect it wherever you want. But the thing is that we as Christians, we believe that we were created in God's image, so the best place for us to connect our soul is to the thing that created us, and that's God. You know, and we need to, we need to live our lives in balance. We need to have our, our mind, our body, and our soul the best we can. Uh, we have a Western perspective. If you spoke to a Jewish people, person about their body, they would say that they are one, that they don't have a, like we talk about in Christian circles or in, in, in Western circles, we talk about our spiritual life and we talk about our mental health and we talk about our body and we talk them about them in these different boxes. We've got to get rid of that. That's not, that's not true because all of them are connected. All of them are one. So we can't, we can't ignore our body and focus on our spirit, our soul, or we can't not use our mind and expect our soul and our body. Does that make sense? Jewish people are Jewish, and everything about them is Jewish. Everything about them is spiritual. Everything they do is spiritual. When they cook a dinner, it's spiritual. They don't compartmentalize it like we do in Western society. And for us to have well-being, I think we need to embrace that a little bit. So me and Joe have been working out in the gym twice a week, three times a week. Uh, one, because I needed to lose some weight and because I wanted to get fit. But because that's part of my soul and part of my spirituality is that I want to be a fit, well, pastor. I want to be a fit husband so that I can be the best husband I can be. I want to be fit and healthy so when I, when I preach, I'm, I'm well enough to do it. Does that make sense? Uh, and um, me and Joe were talking the other day. Uh, we talk, well, we don't. We don't talk much during the gym because we're going hard out on the weights, you know, pumping iron. Um, but I, I sing praise songs in the gym. I don't sing them out loud. 
because um, Joe probably would stop coming with me. Um, but I, I, I train my body physically and I connect spiritually. Does that make sense? The two are entwined. You know, those people that go for a run or a walk, my wife likes to walk. She'll get up at like three o'clock in the morning and go walking and meet Stella somewhere. And, but she'll walk and pray, physical and spiritual, and mind. I'm not going anywhere on my notes, but anyway. You know, you know, I, 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 I'm not ashamed to say, if you want to experience life and life to the full, you need to be a Christian. The reason I say that statement is because I believe that God created me and God breathed life into me. God breathed into my soul. And I want to connect my soul continuously to the thing that gives me life, which is God. Genesis 2 7 says, Then the Lord came formed as a man. From, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became the living being. I want God to breathe into me. My spiritual life is going to accept my physical life because I want God to be breathing life into me. If I'm, if I'm not feeling well or 100%, maybe I, I need to go to the doctors or maybe I need to reconnect with God. Or maybe I need to do both. Does that make sense? I don't ignore some of the things that I feel in my physical. Sometimes they're spiritual. They're spirit because my life, my spiritual life isn't aligned fully with God. They outward manifest in the physical. That makes sense. That doesn't mean if you're sick, you're a sinner. Okay, forget that because we do just get sick. But sometimes I've noticed in my life that some of the sicknesses I've got, I need to go and pray more, and then they'll disappear. Sometimes I need to go and see the doctor and get some antibiotics. But there's something about when I align myself with God and when I bring myself under the covering of God and under the covering of other people, my, I'm not as sick. Makes sense. That's just wisdom. I, I love this story um, in the Bible. There's a, there's, a, there's a story about a guy called Daniel. So Daniel gets taken into captivity. Um, and they change his name. They try to give him a different religion. Uh, they just try to redefine who he is. And um, there comes a point where they want him to eat the food from the king's table. So um, those of you that have been Christians will know something called this is the Daniel fast. Who's done the Daniel fast? This is where it comes from. So there's this guy called Daniel. And, and they're, they're trying to get him to eat the food from the king's table. And this food has been sacrificed but in, for gods that Daniel doesn't believe in because he believes in the one true God, our God. And Daniel says, I don't want to eat it. And um, if you let me eat what I want to eat, um, the, the king's not going to get upset because I'm going to be okay because God's going to look after me. So that's kind of paraphrasing the story. So he, so he eats this thing called the Daniel fast. I'll read it to you. Daniel 1, 8. Daniel, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officers for them to permit permission not to defile himself this way now God had caused the officials to show favor on and compassion to Daniel but the officers told him Daniel I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink why should he see you looking worse than other young men of your age the king would have my, would have my head because of you so the guy saying, look, Daniel, I, I like you and, and I want you to eat this, but I'm worried because if my boss comes and sees you and you're a skinny rake and you're not looking well, he's going to chop my head off. But Daniel says, I'm not, I, I'm cool. 
my soul is connected with God. I'm going to eat the things that God wants me to be, and I'm going to be okay. And it actually goes on that actually Daniel ends up being better than anybody else. Point being is that Daniel is in a situation where they're trying to change his identity, trying to change his name, trying to change who he is, trying to reprogram who he is. Because his soul was connected with God before he got to that situation, when the storm came and when he knew how to look after himself physically, mentally and spiritually, he was able to get through that situation and come out the other side better. So the the, the thing, the success with Daniel is that Daniel didn't wait for the crisis when the king is saying, I want you to connect with something that, you know, he'd made his decision before he got there. He had a biblical pattern in his life that meant that when the challenge came, he was able to say to the, I'm not going to eat the king's thing. I'm not, I don't need to eat that food because the food that I get, get from heaven and the way that I live my life with God is going to sustain me through this season. I think so often we find ourselves in situations in work and in stuff like that and and, and, you know, things are going around and and we have an opportunity to stand strong to what we believe in God and stay keep our soul connected with God or to compromise to fit in. You know, I've been there, you know. Uh, I, I, there's nothing worse than being a Christian in an A&E department because when people die, you're the first person they come to to say, are you going to pray? And it would be so easy for me to fit into, I don't want to just lift my head above it or to make a statement and say, yeah, okay. I got this covered because I've, I've kept myself in training. Does that make sense? I've kept myself connected, soul connected with God. I've, I've kept my mind in my Bible. I've kept my mind around it so I have the arguments to their things. You know, there's nothing worse than resuscitating a small child and every colleague's looking at you saying, you're a Christian. Tell me why your God isn't sought in this situation. I, I could crumble. But because I've kept my mind having those debates and those conversations before I got to the situation, my mind, my mind was aligned to say, okay, well, let me tell you an answer. We have free will, and I believe in a God that loves us, and he loves us so much he's allowed us to make choices. And part of that choice is we get to live our lives how we want to live our lives. So that's why this. Do you see what I mean? Because I've trained my mind and my soul, when the situation comes alive, I'm able to keep my well-being and keep balance because I'm prepared before I get there. Western society is a reactive society. We tend to face situations and then come up with the answer when we're in it. Let's try and be, do you know I mean, this is not my personality. I'm not the most routine person. I like to be spontaneous. But I'm learning for me to have well-being in my life. I've got to have patterns and routines in my life. So when people try to change my identity, make me eat food and do stuff I don't want to do, I have strength in my soul to do it. What I know is right. Is that making sense? You're all quite quiet this morning. Daniel's balance and well-being came because he had formed it before he got enslaved. He had formed, informed what he was and who he was going to be before the situation came along. You know, for me... Uh, you know, I had a defining moment at the age of four at the back of my Sunday school room and Carol Miller came and she, she sat with me and we prayed and and uh, I said, she said, do you want to become a Christian? I said, yes. And we, I asked Jesus, I said, Jesus, would you come and be my Lord and Savior? And uh, and we said, amen. And I got a little sticker and a little Bible and I got some extra stickers that go in, you know, those things you used to get if you were good at Sunday school, got some extra points. 
came away. That was, and, and I was a Christian. That wasn't the end of it. That was the start of it. That was the start of learning what it is to be well and be a Christian, to have well-being in Christ. That was the start of learning that if I didn't truly understand what being a Christian is when the guys at school were trying to take the mickey out of me and trying to do, make me do things that would take my soul out of alignment with God, I had to have the argument to say I'm not doing that. Uh, that you know, when I went through the season of going out on a Friday night and drinking far too much beer and ended up, you know, it was the fact that I had a connection with God that brought a conviction to say, actually, Mike, this is not what I want you to do. This is not the best for you. There was something that was birthed, and, it was, okay, and I'd have to say to my friends, I know you're having great laugh and great fun, and it's really cool, but for me to have well-being and to be a, a healthy Christian, I'm just not going to get involved in that. I'm going to make a stance. It's quite funny. A lot of those friends have turned around and said, we're so glad you're a pastor now, and you're doing what you're meant to be doing, because I chose spiritual well-being over acceptance within a world and this culture that wasn't going to bring me life. Sorry, my nose is running. You know, let's be like, I'm not saying that we all should be gym freaks, but let's be healthy, uh, well-balanced, connected Christians. You know, uh, I, I was led in bed last night. I couldn't sleep. That's because I need to learn to trust God more. That's part of me about getting well-being in my life, but Anyway, I was thinking, I, I kind of missed a trick. I was saying to Joe and, and Rich before, you know, so we're going to do this series for six weeks. I'm going to challenge myself with my, over the next six weeks to improve my well-being. So I am 90 kgs of pure muscle, as you can see. So, um, no, <laughs> I'm about 80 kgs of pure muscle and the rest is... But I, I'm going to lose. So I, when I played rugby, I was 86 kilos. Uh, so I'm going to, for the next six weeks, I'm going to train a little bit harder and drink a few little less cans of beer on a, on a Friday night and eat less cake. I love carrot cake, by the way. Oh, I can't beat carrot cake. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm, I'm to physically transform my body in the next six weeks because I want to be fitter. So I'm going to lose. I mean, I'm going to lose three kilos, okay, in the next six weeks. I'm going to challenge myself and build a routine in my life. I hate reading. can't think of anything worse in my entire life than reading a book. Pointless. Stupid. Don't know why they invented them. Crazy thing to do. Right? That's because I can't read very well. Anyway. Right? I can't think of it, honestly. So I'm going to force my mind to listen to a book every week. So that's my mind. I don't pray enough. I reactively pray, okay? I pray because I can't sleep. I pray, I don't know, because I've had a row with the wife. I pray because I want to kill the kids. I pray because I'm, you know, I reactively pray, right? Snap, yeah. Good that Nick's honest. The rest of you, sinners. I'm going to every day, I'm not going to say every morning because I don't like getting out of bed. I'm going to make it achievable. Every day, I'm going to walk or sit for 10 minutes and pray. That's the worst thing I can ever imagine, having to sit still for 10 minutes and actually focus on something, one thing. I'm going to do that. That's my soul. What have I done? 
My mind, I'm going to read a book. Physically, I'm going to lose some weight. See, I can't even remember what I just said, see? That's soul. And I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. That's my challenge for the next six weeks. What's your challenge? Because I think if I do all three of those, I'm not only going to be a better Christian, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to see breakthrough that I want in my family, in my finances, in my life. I'm going to be a better leader. I'm going to have more... St- Amen. Because <laughs> I'm really bad at the moment. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> I'm going to be a better leader. I'm going to look better. Not that I can look much better than this. But my wife's going to fall more, more madly in love with me because I'm just going to be ripped. I'm probably going to get into those shirts that I haven't been able to fit into for a long time. I'm going to better surf better because I've lost a few kilos, which is really, really important. But do you know what I mean? I'm going to be a better person. I could say, oh, I'm going to pray every day. But if I don't get fit, I'm going to be tired, so I'm not going to be... Do you see what I mean? So I'm going, to, I'm going to concentrate on my well-being because God appointed me to this position of pastor, and for me to be the best pastor, I've got to be the fittest, the most spiritually connected, and I've got to exercise my mind. All three of them, because then I will find well-being in Christ. Amen? Uh, where are we? I shouldn't say that, but anyway, I'm going to... Habits to reconnect your soul. Thessalonians Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Rejoice always. One thing I've learned over my 44 years of life is stuff happens. I was polite there because there's children in the room. But stuff happens. Stuff happens. Stuff out of the blue. Stuff that just destroys your world. Stuff that comes from left field. Stuff that is just like, oh, this hurts. Well-being is about able to rejoice in every one of those situations. Well-being, rejoicing is a choice. It's a sacrifice. Let me tell you, one of the things on a Sunday morning, the last thing I want to do is come here and sing a praise song. Worship's good because you can just go, oh, God, just take me to heaven. My life is so bad. I want to feel it. Eternity with you is so better than being here with these people. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I am going to choose to, I'm going to choose a habit of rejoicing. The sun's up. It's five degrees. And that's slower than what it was last week. That makes me really excited. I can look at my little thermometer and I thank God that someone made a digital thermometer that I can have on my kitchen side. And, it, and everybody else thinks I'm weird, but I'm going to rejoice that I've got on my kitchen thermometer. And one day I'm going to have a spreadsheet that Tim's going to have and I'm going to track the last 20 years of weather stats. I'm going to rejoice. Yeah. I'm going to find something in my day that I'm going to rejoice about. I'm going to come in and I'm going to put a praise CD on. I'm going to listen to praise music. I'm going to sing praises to God when really I want to kill the dog and run away and live in Morocco and surf every day. But I'm going to praise and rejoice God. I'm going to get over my my physical self, my emotional, my spiritualist, and say, I am praising you today, God, out of a place of sacrifice. Uh, Pray continuously. When I mean pray continuously, like I'm going to do my 10 minutes little prayer kind of walk, whatever it looks like, that's 
That's prayer. But I think this is more about talk continuously. I'm going to live my life talking to God about everything that goes on in my world. I'm going to have a prayer life that's not defined by 10 minutes, but is a conversation that's ongoing. I'm going to say to God, when I wake up in the morning, you can speak at any point during this day. You can speak. You, you direct my path. You allow me to tell you do things that I don't want to do, but connect me into your will. I got a message this week from someone who's connected to the church saying, could you go and meet my friend? He's, he's suicidal and he needs someone to talk to him. I was like, oh, do I have to? Sorry if I said that out loud, but I did. It wasn't what I wanted to do, but because I'm continuously having a conversation with God, God said, shut up and get yourself over his house. I went over and met this complete stranger for three hours. We talked about faith, destiny. I talked to him about well, the reason that my marriage works is because God's in the center of it. And there is some days that we don't get on and we argue. And all, but God holds, and I gave him the whole reason why you should be married and that God should be at the center of it. And he just lapped it up. Never been in church. Well, last time he was in church, he was eight and he's 54. I told him the gospel. And then at the end of it, I said, can I pray for you? He was built like a brick outhouse. I was like, this is going to go one of two ways. Like, pastor goes missing in valleys, found dead in shed. <laughs> Honestly, that went through my mind. I was like, if you sit at the end of the coffee bar that way. He had this dog the size of a horse. I was like, okay, at least I can make a quick exit when it kicks off. Honestly, I remember I was thinking he's going to chop me up into little pieces and feed me to something. But I said, can we pray? And I prayed, and he wept like a baby. And he said, can I come to your church? He said, I might be here this week, but I'll try and be there. And then we prayed. Because I was having a continuous conversation with God, because, do you know what I mean? God, I'm trying to be a well Christian. God was able to use me and do something. So, yes, I have my prayer life, but, yes, I'm saying, God, every moment, just be feel free to speak into me. Feel free to change my direction. Move me wherever you want to be, because that makes my Christianity come alive. Give thanks in all circumstances. Be thankful. Be, have a gratitude to look for something. You know, they've done some studies. I'm going to read it to you because it's easier. Uh, they did a study in America of thankfulness and physical health. Okay? So not Christians. Nothing to do with God. Complete atheists. I don't know what they were. They might well have been Christians. They did this research. They, we found that more gratitude in these patients was associated with better mood, better sleep, less fatigue, and lower levels of inflammatory biomarkers related to cardiac health. Basically, right, Jules might be able to help you better, and Jill, if you are thankful, you lower the stress hormones in your body, so therefore you don't stress your heart as much. Pure biological fact, right? Forget any spirituality, right? Forget all of that. You'll be a healthier person. Do you know the great thing about Christians? By We have this thing called faith. That means that we can be thankful when there's absolutely nothing to be thankful for. So it doesn't matter if your world's about to blow up. Because we are Christians, we can be thankful that we're going to heaven. Not that I want to rush to heaven. I'm quite enjoying my life at the moment. But we have that. We have an eternal hope in something outside of this world that we can be eternally faithful for. When I'm dead, I'm going to be upset because my fat, but I'm going to be with God. Do you see what I mean? And by being thankful every day, you will improve your physical health. Isn't it amazing that God made us that way? I think it is.
we could wake up every day and find something to be thankful and to rejoice for. And it affects the physical being of who we are. Like, it's a choice. People say to me, Mike, why, why, why can you be so positive? Because it's a choice. This is a grind. This is a grind. I was trying to explain to someone the other day. It's a grind. But I choose to be thankful. I'm going away in my camper van tonight for the first time. Not finished. Tap doesn't fit. Got no gas, but I'm going away. <laughs> Don't really know how me and Helen are going to sleep because we've got a battery at the end of our bed. So it could be one of these electric evenings as we spark ourselves up on 12 volts. I am thankful that God has given me a half-built camper van. I'm not going to affect the fact that Tim Jacks affected my camper van building day on Monday because I had to entertain him. And that this Monday the kids are going to be around, so I'm going to miss it. I'm not going to focus on the fact that I'm behind schedule. I'm going to focus on the fact that God gave me a van. I'm going away in it. I'm not going to focus on the fact that the tap that I bought on eBay doesn't actually fit the stupid sink. And now I need to go and buy a, another washer from Screwfix and Bodge. I'm not going to thank the, the, the fact that God gave me the money to buy the tap in the first place. I'm going to choose to be thankful. Let's be defined by people that have built routines when things are good. So when the storm comes, we can say it is well with my soul. world is falling apart. Life is hard, but it is well with my soul because I have chosen to connect it with God. I'm just going to show you a, a little video about a guy who lost everything and then wrote this song, It Is Well With My Soul. He should never have written that song because it didn't come from the moment when life was good. It didn't come when he was at the pinnacle of his business world. It didn't come when he was making millions. It didn't come when he was successful. It came when he was down and out and lost so much. Let's watch it. Horatio Spafford was born in Troy, New York in 1828. He moved to Chicago where he met and married Anna Larson in 1861. By 1870, he had become a wealthy senior partner in a large law firm. He was a successful businessman, having invested heavily in real estate in North Chicago. He also served as an elder in a Presbyterian church. The Spaffords were supporters and friends with the well-known evangelist Dwight L. Moody. They lived happily in Lakeview with their four daughters. They could certainly say at this time in their lives that all was well. But their earthly fortunes would soon change. On October 8, 1871, the ever-present threat of fire in the crowded city of Chicago broke out. Old wooden buildings and sidewalks quickly went up in flames, fanned by winds off Lake Michigan. Within two days, at least 300 people were dead, 100,000 homeless, and $200 million worth of property destroyed, including Spafford's real estate investments and law firm. By 1873, Spafford, concerned about Anna's health, planned a family trip to England to participate in revival services led there by Dwight Moody and music evangelist Ira Sankey. Just before they left, their dwindling finances took another hit during the Panic of 1873. 
Though he was detained by last-minute business concerns, he sent Anna and the four girls ahead, whom he would follow in a few days. Spafford booked passage for his wife, 11-year-old Anna, 9-year-old Maggie Lee, 5-year-old Elizabeth, and 2-year-old Tanetta, who joined 308 other passengers aboard the French steamship Ville de Havre in New York. They set sail on November 15, 1873. About one week into the crossing, at 2 a.m. on November 22nd, the Ville de Havre collided with the iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Ern. The Loch Ern rang the ship's bell and ported its helm, while the Ville de Havre put to starboard, but it was too late. The Ville de Havre was nearly broken in two. Anna hurried her daughters from their berths to the deck, where all was chaos. Having been told that the ship would soon sink, there she knelt down and prayed that God would either save them or make them willing to die. The Ville de Havre sank into the cold, murky waters of the Atlantic in only 12 minutes. 226 souls were lost. While rowing a small boat, a sailor spotted a woman clinging to a piece of the wreckage. It was Anna, still alive, but all four of her daughters had drowned. Another vessel landed them in Cardiff, Wales, nine days later. There she cabled her husband the famed message that began, Saved alone, what shall I do? One of the ship's survivors later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Horatio immediately left Chicago for Liverpool. As he crossed the Atlantic, the captain called Horatio to his cabin to say that, by his best reckoning, they were passing over the spot where his daughters perished. He wrote to his wife's half-sister, On Thursday last we passed over the spot where she went down, in mid-ocean, the waters three miles deep. But I do not think of our dear ones there. They are safe folded, the dear lambs. Ira Sankey said that Dwight Moody left his meetings in Edinburgh and went to Liverpool to comfort the bereaved parents and was pleased to find that they were able to say, It is well, the will of God be done. The Spaffords returned to Chicago where, in 1876, they entertained Ira Sankey in their home for several weeks. According to Sankey, that is when Horatio penned the words of the hymn, It is well with my soul, in commemoration of the death of his children. You know, I don't know where you are in your journey of life. You can keep playing that in the background. But the one thing that allows me to get through my day is that I can make that statement as well with my soul. And it comes from a choice to connect my soul to the one thing that can give me life, and that's God. The one thing that can sustain me in every storm. 
the one thing that gives me well-being depart de, de, this doesn't define by my situation it's defined by my connection so uh, you know let's stand to our feet if we can Hey, thanks again for checking out Faith Church Online. We'd love it if you could subscribe to be notified when we release a new podcast. You can find out more of what's happening by going to at Faith Church Wales on social media or by heading to faithchurch.wales. Faith